Lord, we're here to celebrate you, and uh, we're grateful for the opportunity we have to worship together. Whether here or online, we're grateful, Lord, for your presence, and we ask as we turn our attention to your word that, that you would speak to our hearts now. And so we pray this all for your glory and honor, in your name, amen. Amen. Merry Christmas. Christmas. Hope you are doing well. Who um, who here likes uh, eggnog? Yeah. James, good to see you. I'm not a big fan of eggnog, but my wife is, and uh, here is a glass of eggnog that you can have after honey. It's been out for about three hours. (laughs) But this glass is what? Half empty or half full? You know, the way you answer that might mean that you're either very pessimistic or optimistic as a person, right? Yeah. 60%, 60 60-40, depending on the day or whether the kick was good or not. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was here. I was here, at, I was here preparing for this. I was not watching the game whatsoever. But man, I'm a lot happier today, thanks to my daughter's phone call. Anyway, um, if, if you're a believer in, in, in Jesus, because in Christ the best is yet to come, I would suggest that we all should be optimists. Wouldn't you agree? And yet, even as I say that, I hesitate to say it a bit, to even start with that, because what God offers us is much more than optimism, is it not? In fact, the story I want to take you to in Luke chapter 2, that I'm very excited to read for you, as we do really each and every Christmas Eve here at Emmaus, is a story of hope. But what I want to talk about is the outcome of that hope and what it means for each one of us today. So before you on the screen are going to be the words of Luke 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 11. And I want you to follow closely along with me and look for a picture of hope in what is being said here as Luke's account tells us, reading in Jesus' name, in those days, and there's a lot to that phrase, it's a weighted phrase, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, fear not, for behold... I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior 
who is Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. I love Christmas. You love Christmas? And it wouldn't be Christmas to me if it wasn't snowy, cold, terrible weather, dark. I was a little disappointed it was sunny today. Because it just wouldn't be Christmas without the nostalgia of that. And if you're watching from some warm location, which a few people have told me they're doing, shame on you. Real Christmas is done in the cold. In the freezing, right? The term bleak means to be barren. Or for something to be desolate. It's a picture of cold and dark. That feeling you get when the outcome doesn't seem so great. The the feeling you get when you look at the forecast and it says it's going to get colder and it's already cold. How many times have I done that already this winter? One of my most memorable memories. Is that a way of saying it? Anyway, a memory of mine from when I was a kid that stands out in my mind is that of a cold, dark night on a school bus. My brother and sisters and I were on a school bus. I won't get into why we were on a school bus at night. But it was very cold, and it just so happened to be that the heater went out on the bus. And we had to be on that bus for one hour. And it was cold. So cold that you could see our breath. And so what was happening is as the compensation from an, a packed bus was, as you can imagine, everywhere in the bus, it started to freeze on the windows. But that wasn't the worst part. Because why it's a memorable memory to me is because... A little while into the ride, someone came back to where I was sitting and said, Nick, Nick, Nick you've got to come up front. Your brother, he's hurt. And so I ran up to the front of the bus, and my little brother at the time, he, uh, he was crying, actually quite loud. And I could tell it was serious enough for me to be concerned. And I looked over, and he had, he had a tissue on his tongue. <laughs> He had stuck his tongue. I don't know if someone made him do this, or I don't know. Oh, if I would have got a hold of that kid. Anyway, but he stuck his tongue to the window of the bus, and you can imagine what happened. Here's a picture of that. No, no, that's like it's a Christmas story or something like that. But anyway, um, he stuck his tongue to the bus, and I think he panicked, and then he removed his tongue rather swiftly, from the window and some skin was still on the window. It's Christmas. Why would I say that here? Well, never forget that moment. Isn't winter wonderful? You know, no wonder I look back on my childhood that way. Anyway, we don't have any reason to believe that Jesus was born in the middle of winter. And if you consider the climate of Israel, it was not likely like our usual December 25th. But but the idea of the bleakness of the world at the onset of Christ's birth comes 
from our understanding that in those days, again, a very weighted phrase, there was not a lot of optimism for Israel whatsoever. If you know the backstory to Luke 2, it had been hundreds of years since the prophets proclaimed the coming salvation and deliverance for Israel. From what they were facing because of Roman rule, the tyranny and the, the, the oppression that they lived in. Then in the temple, the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah. And, and here's what God said to Zechariah. He said, your wife will be with child. Now, now understand, she was barren, meaning she could not, and she was not of age. And yet, this promise to Zechariah was made, and sure enough, she was with child, and eventually John is born. Now, the significance of John's birth was that he would be the forerunner, or the proclaimer, the one who would prepare the way for the coming Messiah, and this was a sign when, when we hear that in the Scriptures, understand something very significant is going on. Luke speaks to that. Of course, eventually, the Savior is born in Bethlehem. Just as the angels declared, another sign. I, I read it for you already, but never get sick of hearing it. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great, what does it say? Joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, Messiah, Christ. Fear not, for although things look bleak and hopeless, there's good news. Not all hope is lost. Hope will be born. Notice it says for all people. All people. Now, now, does this mean like all religious people? Does it mean... Does it mean all good people? No, no, even Jesus in His ministry showed us what this means. How how Jesus spent time with the marginalized. How, How Jesus said, let the little children come to Me, for such belongs the kingdom of heaven. How Jesus, when... He went to the shores of the Sea of Galilee to call His disciples, not not Jerusalem and to their religious elite, but when He went to the shores of the Galilee, He picked out guys rough around the edges, fishermen, and others alike. No, No, Jesus showed us what all people meant and certainly means today, how He served the downcast and the troubled, and focus much of attention on those in the greatest need. All people want you to remember that this Christmas. The, the other aspect of what is being said here is this part. Born to you. God had you in mind when He came. Do you really believe He was born to you? Are you living as if the angel was speaking directly to you? Fear not. Behold, I bring you good news of great, what what again? Joy. Joy is the outcome of hope. Joy is what we might call the fruit of this hope. Not, Not so much optimism, but hope. 
that Christ has gifted us because he came. You might say hope produces joy. You might say it's the character of hope that comes within us when Jesus takes up residence in us. Have you ever um, made a concerted effort to be happy? Like, like, I mean, like maybe you woke up one day after having a couple of real bad days and you kind of said, you know, today is going to be different. I'm just going to gut it out. I'm just going to do my best to not be rude and treat everyone really nicely and, and maybe even say sorry for what I've done, that sort of thing. And then like one hour later, you're just the same old pessimistic person. <laughs> just, just me or maybe, maybe you? Maybe I should ask your spouse or the people you live with. Or your parents. I think we've all been there before, have we? Have we not? How do we have joy consistently? Maybe another way of asking this is, where do we get transcendent joy? What is transcendent? It means supernatural. It means divine. It means something beyond the physical realm or the natural realm. Where does that kind of joy come from? I want to start here. It's Jesus who said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. We know there's an enemy at work. Call it what you will. We know there's an enemy at work causing evil and pain. Causing evil. You don't have to go far to find that, do you? Got a call from my kids last night. They were at the Mall of America shopping. You never want this call. They called my wife, of course, and not me. (laughs) Um, uh, We're on lockdown. There's been a shooting. Yeah, it's Christmas, someone said. It's Christmas. No, you never want that call. You don't have to go far to see that there is an enemy at work that only, notice, only wants to destroy. Kids were fine. They got in the back room and they waited it out. A few hours later they got home. Praise the Lord. But yeah, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus comes, oh, for abundant life. The abundant life spoken of here means means exceedingly, beyond measure, more more a quantity, so abundant we cannot expect or anticipate how much it is. Overflowing eggnog, so to speak. What a picture. You know, I want that in my life. And you know who else wants that in my life? The people who live with me. (laughs) It's true for you too. You need that transcendent joy that comes from hope in Christ and so do the people you live with and associate with. You need it. But how do I get it? Or, Or if it seems fleeting or I had it and I want it back, where does it come from? How do, how do I find gladness and delight 
in my life? How, how do I find it more consistently? Well, it's important to be reminded, and I think Christmas is the perfect time to be reminded, that we don't earn it, and we certainly don't deserve it. It's a free gift. So much is made of gifts at Christmas, and kids, this is a good thing, okay? You know when people say things like, well, you know, gifts kind of get in the way of the real reason for the season. Have you ever heard someone say that? I, I disagree. The, the gifts that we give at Christmas are a picture of God's generosity towards us, a picture of how God is towards us. And joy, transcendent joy that is, is something that God gifts us freely when Christ resides within us. When we look to what He has, the hope given to us, and allow it to transform our own hearts. Yes, joy is something, think about this, spiritual, that happens within us. Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love. And because of that love, Christ's love, not our own, Christ's love, there is joy. By faith, we trust in the hope and power of Jesus, resulting in consistent and lasting joy that is directly tied to the hope that came when Christ was born. What an awesome thing to celebrate this birthday. Obviously, the excitement and the expectation of the baby born was something that was ahead for those who were there at the manger. And one day Christ would give up His life before His very mother. But they didn't take it. He gave it for all the world. He gave it as a gift so that we could have what we could not conjure up on our own. I think that's an incredible thing to think about. In fact, I want us to consider that it is something that is for us a distinguishing characteristic of all those who follow Him and are living under His reign. I think about Romans 14, 18. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Meaning it's not a matter of religious practice or something you earn or do, but a matter of relationship with God by way of the Holy Spirit. First, a position. He gives us His righteousness. Secondly, reviving the emotions of the heart. In this case, bringing joy no matter the circumstance, which is transcendent joy. And how does He do this? Two things. Two things, then you can go home and eat. Okay? Just two things. The first, the first is forgiveness. Forgiveness. We've all experienced that emotion of relief and happiness when someone offers the word or we have offered the word. Will you forgive me? And it'd be mutual. We all know that feeling of relief that comes over us. Something that comes from the heart. That's forgiveness and the joy that comes with it. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is where the joy is. Forgiveness, it's that feeling you get when 
When you give up something to the Lord that you've been hanging on to for a long, long time, and you actually feel a cleansing. You ever experienced that before? Have you ever really surrendered something to God? And in a moment's time, you literally felt as if there is a weight taken off you. You know what that is? It's joy. It's joy. It's the joy of the Lord. Because of His forgiveness. And because of forgiveness, because He came and, and, and He lived the perfect life and He went to the cross and He died for us and took with Himself the sins of the world, because of His forgiveness, He can also offer us His presence. Presence. I'm not talking about presence under the tree, kids. I'm talking about His, His presence with us. I love what Psalm 1611 says, In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. There's some symbolism here. In, in, in that at God's right hand, a picture of the king who has all the power and all the control. The king who holds your life in his hands, so to speak. That in him, there is consistent or there is something constant, right? You, you want consistent joy in your life, you have to go to the one who is the constant. The one who is in control. The one who rules and reigns forever. This is where the joy is. And it's where God's joy is too. Do you know that? It's where God's joy is too. It says in Zephaniah chapter 317, it says, The Lord your God is in your midst. He's here right now with us. A mighty one who will save. In fact, he desires that all come to him. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're facing. And then it says this, he will rejoice over you with gladness. Is that what you envision in your mind when you consider God's face towards you? Or is it one of disappointment? That it's one of gladness. That he rejoices over you. For you. Born for you. You know what that means? You know what the picture is there? When someone is born into a family, biologically, they're born to that family. Interesting, isn't it? This year has been a rather unique year for my family and I. And that last year at Christmas, we had three teenagers. And now we have five kids, and two of them are really young. <laughs> two and nine months. Because of adoption. 
You know what the difference is and the uniqueness of adoption is there? That when someone is born to you in adoption, it's that you have chosen them. In a sense. And that, I think, is what Jesus is really saying as the angels declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That to you, although because of your sin you were separated from God and and removed from even the possibility of forgiveness, because of Him and because He chose you, because He chose to give His life and offer us something beyond anything we could offer ourselves. In His choosing us, there is salvation and all hope for anything to come, no matter what we see ahead of us or no matter what we're facing. That's the hope of Christmas for you, for you. Would you pray with me? Lord, we... Uh, receive this word I I hope (laughs) with hearts that I pray are contrite I mean rather than distracted or or making up excuses we just receive this word Rejoice over us. You desire all to come to you. That you were born to each one of us. We receive this word now, Lord. As an act of humility and worship. Just as they came to the baby Jesus the night he was born and fell down and worshipped before him. So we're doing here, Lord. We're just coming before you now, receiving what you have for us and what it produces in our life. And we're asking you, Lord, to come in and heal. Give us a greater outlook, something beyond optimism. And fill us with your spirit, forgiveness and your cleansing, your righteousness and your hope leads to joy. So this we pray as we go from here, Lord. In your name.